Hi, it's Cooper. I'd like to know a little bit more about you, the listeners. So I made a little survey. It's just four tiny questions and should take about one minute to complete. The link is at the top of the show notes. Thank you so much, and let's get on with the show. Hi, my name is Cooper, and this is A Little English. Every episode, I read a short story. After the story, there are three tiny lessons. And today, you are going to find out why Tabitha is not appearing in this story. Like I've been saying, this story is not for kids. In the last two parts, we met Ed Lois, who saw a dead guy hanging in the town square. Everybody else was okay with it, which uh, freaked him out. Then Ed saw a crack in the sky, a portal into another universe, hanging over City Hall, and bug people were coming out of it. Oh, yeah, and he killed a guy with a rock. But Ed's day is about to get worse. He's just arrived at home. Ed. Janet Lois backed away nervously. What is it? What? Ed Lois slammed the door behind him and came into the living room. Pull down the shades, quick. Janet moved toward the window. But do as I say. Who else is here besides you? Nobody, just the twins. They're upstairs in their room. What's happened? You look so strange. Why are you home? Ed locked the front door. He prowled around the house into the kitchen. From the drawer under the sink, he slid out the big butcher knife and ran his finger along it. Sharp. Plenty sharp. He returned to the living room. Listen to me, he said. I don't have much time. They know I escaped and they'll be looking for me. 
escaped? Janet's face twisted with bewilderment and fear. Who? The town has been taken over. They're in control. I've got it pretty well figured out. They started at the top, at the city hall and police department. What they did with the real humans, they... What? What are you talking about? We've been invaded from some other universe, some other dimension. They're insects, mimicry, and more. Power to control minds. Your mind. My mind? Their entrance is here, in Pikeville. They've taken over all of you. The whole town. Except me. We're up against an incredibly powerful enemy, but they have their limitations. That's our hope. They're limited. They can make mistakes. Janet shook her head. I, I don't understand, Ed. You must be insane. Insane? No. Just lucky. If I hadn't been down in the basement, I'd be like all the rest of you. Lois peered out the window. But I can't stand here talking. Get your coat. My coat? We're getting out of here. Out of Pikeville. We've got to get help. Fight this thing. They can be beaten. They're not infallible. It's going to be close, but we may make it. If we hurry, come on. He grabbed her arm roughly. Get your coat and call the twins. We're all leaving. Don't stop to pack. There's no time for that. White-faced, his wife moved towards the closet and got down her coat. Where are we going? Ed pulled open the desk drawer and spilled the contents out onto the floor. He grabbed up a road map and spread it open. They'll have the highway covered, of course, but there's a back road to Oak Grove. I got onto it once. It's practically abandoned. Maybe they'll forget about it. The old ranch road? Good Lord, it's completely closed. Nobody's supposed to drive over it. I know. Ed thrust the map grimly into his coat. That's our best chance. Now, call down the twins and let's get going. Your car is full of gas, isn't it? Janet was dazed. 
The Chevy? I had it filled up yesterday afternoon. Janet moved towards the stairs. Ed, I... Call the twins. Ed unlocked the front door and peered out. Nothing stirred. No sign of life. All right so far. C come on downstairs, Janet called in a wavering voice. We're going out for a while. Now? Tommy's voice came. Hurry up, Ed barked. Get down here, both of you. Tommy appeared at the top of the stairs. I was doing my homework. We're starting fractions. Miss Parker says if we don't get this done, well, you can forget about fractions. Ed grabbed his son as he came down the stairs and propelled him toward the door. Where's Jim? He's coming. Jim started slowly down the stairs. What's up, Dad? We're going for a ride. A ride? Where? Ed turned to Janet. We'll leave the lights on and the TV set. Go turn it on. He pushed her toward the set. So they'll think we're still. He heard the buzz and dropped instantly the long butcher knife out. Sickened, he saw it coming down the stairs at him, wings a blur of motion as it aimed itself. It still bore a vague resemblance to Jimmy. It was small, a baby one. A brief glimpse, the thing hurtling at him, cold, multi-lensed, inhuman eyes, wings, Body still clothed in yellow t-shirt and jeans. The mimic outline still stamped on it. A strange half-turn of its body as it reached him. What was it doing? A stinger. Lois stabbed wildly at it. It retreated, buzzing frantically. Lois rolled and crawled toward the door. Tommy and Janet stood still as statues, faces blank, watching without expression. Lois stabbed again. This time, the knife connected. The thing shrieked and faltered. It bounced against the wall and fluttered down. Something lapped through his mind. 
a wall of force, energy, an alien mind probing into him. He was suddenly paralyzed. The mind entered his own, touched against him briefly, shockingly. An utterly alien presence settling over him. And then it flickered out as the thing collapsed in a broken heap on the rug. It was dead. He turned it over with his foot. It was an insect, a fly of some sort. Yellow t-shirt, jeans, his son Jimmy. He closed his mind tight. It was too late to think about that. Savagely, he scooped up his knife and headed toward the door. Janet and Tommy stood, stone still, neither of them moving. The car was out. He'd never get through. They'd be waiting for him. It was ten miles on foot. Ten long miles over rough ground, gullies and open fields, and hills of uncut forest. He'd have to go alone. Lois opened the door. For a brief second, he looked back at his wife and son. Then he slammed the door behind him and raced down the porch steps. A moment later, he was on his way, hurrying swiftly through the darkness toward the edge of town. The early morning sunlight was blinding. Lois halted, gasping for breath, swaying back and forth. Sweat ran down in his eyes. His clothing was torn, shredded by the brush and thorns through which he had crawled. Ten miles on his hands and knees, crawling, creeping through the night. His shoes were mud-caked. He was scratched and limping, utterly exhausted. But ahead of him lay Oak Grove. He took a deep breath and started down the hill. Twice he stumbled and fell, picking himself up and trudging on. His ears rang. Everything receded and wavered, but he was there. He had got out, away from Pikeville.
Okay. So who guessed that Ed would have to murder an enormous insect that was wearing his son's clothes? Anyone? Anyone at all? Me neither. This story is wild. Don't worry, not all of the stories this season are horror, and the next part of this story is the last one, but I'm having a lot of fun reading it. I hope you're having fun listening. Last episode, I asked you to write down, do you think Ed is losing his mind? Or are there really bug monsters? How do you feel after this episode? Have you changed your mind? I promise you will get an answer in part four. For now, let's do some lessons. First, take a peek at the big picture. What is Ed's plan? How is he going to beat the bug people? He wants to get out of Pikeville and go to the next town, Oak Grove. He has to go on foot by the old road because he thinks the police will capture him if he uses his car. And since the portal seems to only be over Pikeville, he's hoping that he can get help in Oak Grove. So, who's dancing at the Dictionary Disco? Our first word is mimic or mimicry. It means making a copy of something else, an imitation. Like, say, bug people pretending to be normal human beings. Ugh. The second word is vague as in a vague resemblance. Vague is like uncertain or unclear. So if a horrible bug monster vaguely resembles your son, it mostly looks like a horrible bug monster. Can I bother you for a melody moment? Let's talk more about voicing. When a word ends in ed, there are actually three different sounds that it can make. It could be t or d. 
de or id. So the first two are the same sound, but de is voiced. Try it for yourself. The third one, id, actually adds a syllable to the word. So like start is one syllable, but started is two syllables. So I have a little quiz for you. I'm going to say six words that end with ed. You write down which ones have a t sound, a d sound, or an id sound. Ready? Connected. Stamped. Crawled. Stabbed. Bounced. Exhausted. Got it? Stamped and bounced have a t sound at the end. Crawled and stabbed have a d sound. And exhausted and connected have an id sound. Can you hear the different sounds? Can you say them? Let's go to the credits. Thank you for listening to Season 2, Episode 3 of A Little English. Every episode is produced entirely by me... Edward Cooper Howland here in Hiroshima, Japan. If you like the show, please tell someone about it. A recommendation from a friend is the best way to get someone to listen, and I would really appreciate it. The stories I read are in the public domain, and I get them from standardebooks.org, which is a really good website, and you should check it out. Again, thank you so much for listening. For now, be kind to yourselves and to each other. <laughs>